Being with the doctor, you don't get to choose when it stops, whether you leave her or she leaves you. As of now, you will see new defense drones at work. If you don't help the human race is going down, you with us? Prepare for extermination. I'm Captain Jack Harkness. And I'm immortal. Now, Jack! Stay strong. People waiting for you. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and this is officially our first recording of a brand new year. It is not 2020 anymore. It is gone. It's 2021. I'm happy, and I am ready to say welcome back, Lee Shackelford. And welcome back to you, too, and welcome back to all of our devoted listeners who check back with us time after time. God bless you. And to folks who uh, are joining us perhaps for the first time, because we're talking about a, um, a timely episode. We're talking about an episode that really just, uh, just aired for a change. And um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Glad to be here. And I also am ecstatic to say Clarence Brown, welcome back. Happy new year. Oh man, thanks. Thanks, dude. Happy New Year to each and everyone listening. And hopefully 2021 will bring about much brighter things. <laughs> and I'm glad to be here as well, guys. Good deal. Good deal. Well, since we're talking about much brighter things, you know, our last episode that we posted was our Christmas present to Lee, which was our review of the talents of Wang Chiang. I posted that to our Facebook page, and there were several comments on there. I won't go into details, but just reading the comments of everyone that took time to just comment on, number one, that they enjoyed the story, enjoyed the review. That was a good Christmas present to me. For everybody that commented, thank you. That was a highlight of my Christmas. So thanks, everyone. And for everyone listening, you can find us on Facebook at discussing who so like our page and if you are into facebook groups you can also find our facebook group at discussing network just go to groups and look for discussing network well i hadn't read that myself so i need to go go look at that go uh, look three things very quickly about that actually because i was afraid that we would we would get some um some negative feedback yeah, just I wrote it down so I would be sure to, to cover this. Listening to the episode again, I, I, there was a moment where I said Jago when I met Lightfoot. So, you know, who cares? I talked about Yaz, though, as being East Asian. And we had just been having this conversation about white people pretending to be Chinese and things like that. So that was a, a really embarrassing gaffe on my part. Yaz is not East Asian. She's English. And even if we're talking ancestry, she is from South Asia. What I said is like saying that you, Kyle, you're from Greenland. You know, it's just that anyway, I just got compass points turned around and I didn't mean anything uh, sort of insensitive, but it does kind of make the point, doesn't it? I also, here's the third thing Sherlockian fans who are listening to this might be saying, Lee, you're saying that you love this because it's the Victorian Doctor Who and the doctor's dressed like Holmes and all of these things. And you didn't mention that one of the iconic untold stories of Sherlock Holmes that is mentioned only once in the stories is the giant rat. 
And uh, it's true. I forgot to mention the giant rat of Sumatra. And surely that's that's part of what Robert Holmes is up to here as well, is making sure that this story has a giant rat in it. Anyway, yes, I did. I forgot to mention the giant rat of Sumatra. And now I'll shut up about Talons of Wing Chang. <laughs> uh, the giant rat of Sumatra is a Sherlock Holmes story? It is. In one of the Sherlock Holmes stories, Holmes is the narrator. And he says, I've been sort of pondering which amazing story to tell you. I thought about telling you about the ship Matilda Briggs, which was involved with the case of the giant rat of Sumatra, a story for which the world is not yet prepared. <laughs> that sounds like one of those doctor throwaway references. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They, they learned that from uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So so we never do find out what he was talking about. But many, many authors over the years have attempted to tell the story of the giant rat of Sumatra anyway. Oh, wow. That's cool. So let me comment on what you said about you were wondering if we were to get negative feedback. We did get some feedback from our friend Dave Cooper. I had mm. intended to have it ready for this particular episode. Unfortunately, I did not get off work until about 30 minutes ago, give right. or take. So I didn't get that ready for this episode, but just wait for everyone listening. It will be an hour next recorded episode. That and worth the wait. Worth the wait. Always worth the wait with Dave Cooper. But what I do know is one more comment before we move on. When I was editing, listening to us talk, I think that we handled the insensitive nature of the story as it was we handled it by talking about it and yeah, you know absolutely. i think if we would have just washed over it like okay that was normal then i think i as a listener would have had a problem with it but we addressed it we talked about it and we ta then talked about the story so that's my two yeah, all right so gentlemen i have some news one just one piece of news but i do have some news and I'm going to, if you could see me right now, I'm doing air quotes and because news per se, but there's a rumor going around. And, <laughs> and since everyone's talking about it, I want us to talk about it. There's daily a, mirror, daily mirror, daily mirror. Yeah, daily mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> so there's a rumor that Jody Whitaker possibly might be leaving. And Clarence, you had a response that I found absolutely one million percent priceless when i mentioned it to you you commented something do you remember what that was yeah yeah um, so the thing is and I've, i actually read this and i just totally agreed with it and most people are kind of saying the same thing that chibnall should leave not jody whittaker mm -hmm. you know we talked about what a woman 1984 nobody's blaming galado for that mess that heap of junk, you know, so in, <laughs> if, I don't know, the, the writing is such a big part of it. Um, and the showrunner's direction. And I just don't want this. I don't want Jody Whittaker to leave with a bad taste in her mouth of, of, of what the show has brought to her. Maybe she doesn't think that maybe just us as fans as fans who have, you know, kind of come to this conclusion that she may be having a hard go on the show, but I don't want to see her go, but maybe she's just done with it. Who knows? But, you know, I would be sad to see her go right now. I would love to see her do another season. And, you know, I think she's just getting better with time. So who who knows what's going to happen? I, I think all the same things. And I, uh, 
I, I, I can pre-warn people that as we go in to talk about Revolution of the Daleks, they're going to get more of the same because I, I was standing up for Chris Chibnall to start with. I am such a big fan of Broadchurch, and I admire his writing and his running of that, especially the first season of that show, so very much. And so I was punching the air when I heard that he was coming to be a showrunner for Doctor Who, but I don't. And, and you know, I've, I've been defending him saying, well, he's doing something different. It's a different tone. It's a different pace. It's a, no, no, as of today, I'm just, no, no, I, it's, he, I think he's a great writer. He may not be a great writer for this show. So I'm going to add something to that. I agree with what both of you said. And even before, because, you know, I always will make this comment. Well, as you guys were talking, I was sitting here thinking, but mm -hmm. I'm going to adjust that and say, even before you started talking, <laughs> I was already thinking. And what I was thinking. Well, you know you have thoughts of your own. I we do sometimes. <laughs> but what I was thinking was, was very similar to what you just said, Lee. I thought Jodie Whittaker on Broad Church was brilliant. And when I heard she would be joining Doctor Who as the Doctor, I was excited because I'm like, wow, this person can do the the most emotional scenes, can do, the, you know, she's going to knock it out of the ballpark. And I will echo what you said about Broadchurch. I thought Chibnall would do a great job in Doctor Who, but... I keep seeing glimpses of what I think Jodie Whittaker could do, mm. but I don't think she's being allowed to do it. You're here. Yep. You know, so I hope she doesn't leave. I mean, I know she's here to, you know, complete the 13th uh, season. I will say this is just kind of meta here that if she did leave, she would be leaving at the end of the 13th season. She's the 13th doctor. Yeah. And then the mm -hmm. 14th Doctor would take over in the 14th series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll just add real quick. Uh, and who who knows? Maybe it's the, um, the, the fam or the notion that the TARDIS is so full, as we like to put it, that is taken away from her character um, in the story. And maybe just as a showrunner, as a showwriter, it's hard to write someone that you can connect to with so many people that you have to deal with each and every episode. So maybe it's a blessing, uh, spoilers, I guess I'll say that, but we'll get into later what might change in this upcoming season. All right. So I have one more question before we move on. Clarence, since you were just talking, I'll point this to you. If you were to describe the 11th doctor in one word to describe the 11th doctor off the top of your head, name me that one word to describe the 11th doctor. Ota. Or Fez, or <laughs> okay. Well, let me let, let let me adjust it just a bit. If you were to describe the personality of the Doctor in one word, oh man, frantic, uh, commanding at times. He's okay. he's so many different things. All but right. I do have. I see what you're going for. I do have a. I immediately get a feeling of who he is almost immediately when you ask me that question, even though I can't put it into one word. Awesome, perfect, Lee. Twelfth Doctor, same question. Twelfth Doctor. Uh, brooding, <sighs> you think? All right. So if I were to take the Ninth Doctor, I would, mm -hmm. the word that pops into my head, sad. Yeah. Now, Thirteenth Doctor, in one yeah. word, describe the Thirteenth Doctor. Fam. 
that's how I would describe her, but is that really describing her? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she says it a lot, but that's not yeah, that's it. It's it's not as clearly drawn a character as some of the others. Which doesn't mean they all have to have just one note, but there is a yeah. I I, I think that's an excellent point. I remember somebody bringing this up as a uh, uh, a criticism of the um, the Star Wars prequels that you can get a group of Star Wars fans in a room and and get them talking about Han Solo or Chewbacca or C three PO or whatever, and then say, "Who's your favorite character in uh, Attack of the Clones?" Uh, you know that. There were there was something that worked in those first three films about developing character, but then in the prequels, it's just not there. And yeah, I feel the same thing has happened here. She, we can we can point to things that she has said or done, but do they fit together in any kind of a um, a coherent whole? Yeah, yeah. If you had to put if you had to stick a label on the Thirteen Doctor's head, what does it say? It goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago. It's not Jodie Whittaker's fault. It's not. Because I don't think, you know, the doctor is not being presented in the same way. And where, and then I will leave this alone. But where I think Chibnall in his direction for the doctor has gone wrong is you don't want the first female doctor on air that we see to be characterized with not having character. Yeah, right. Our friend Alan Seiler, they did an after show on Facebook about this episode or about the review. And one of the panelists, I can't remember who it was, but she made the comment that it feels like Jody is not giving given any real direction on how to play the character. And I can kind of see that, you know, I think she's admitted to not really being a huge Doctor Who fan before. And it's sort of like if you take an outside view on what you think the doctor is you know if an alien would come and just saw a few clips and oh yeah i can put it together what the doctor is you know it's it's kind of like that where unless you have an intimate knowledge or have been directed to portray it in a, in a precise way you really have to go off the cliff notes or the highlights yeah and maybe that's part of it so there's definitely things based off of what you just said, Clarence, that I want to delve into. So I can't delve into those particular things unless I say, if you have not seen Revolution of the Daleks, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, because for the first time in 2021, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Revolution of the Daleks. This was the 2021 Doctor Who New Year's Day special, airing on the 1st of January, 2021. It starred John Berriman as Captain Jack Harkness. It featured a pating along with Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor and Mandip Gill as Yasmin Khan. The story featured the departure of Tonson Cole as Ryan Sinclair and Bradley Walsh as Graham O'Brien. So, summary view. Lee Shackelford, why don't you start us off? Summary view. Oh, we got to see uh, another clash of Daleks and a a very emotional story, really, for the Doctor and, and her fam, uh, with some dashes of Captain Jack 
in there as well. It's um, I thought it was a very uneven mix, and we'll get into the the details later. But I was, I guess, you're, you're, if you're asking for one word again, I'm going to say disappointed. Mm. So, uh, what say ye, Mister Brown? <laughs> I think I may have enjoyed this a bit more than you guys. I actually had, I think I had fun with it. I think I did. For all of the problems with the story and, you know, we get it to this point where maybe there's too many people in the TARDIS where you can't really devote time to each of the characters. I think I had fun with it. I will say that even though it was very dark at times, I think I I really enjoyed it overall. What say you, Cal? I enjoyed it on first watch and I think it was better than the last New Year's special. It... On the second watch as I skimmed through it, I skimmed through it. And that should say something. Disappointed. There you go. That's that's my... But no, 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 no. I'm going to change it. I'm not disappointed. It was as expected from Chibnall. How about that? Ooh, harsh. It burns. <laughs> you know, I, I want to talk about the Jacks. And I'm trying to decide... Which Jack I want to talk about first, and I think I'll save the best for last. Jack Robinson Return. So this story kind of is a sequel, in my opinion, to Resolution of the Daleks. And at the be- well, so before I get into the at the beginning, were you happy to see Jack Robinson back? Yeah, I would think happy is a huge overstatement. <laughs> <laughs> um I think for the story purposes, it was a smart move to bring him in to, I guess, have a bit of cohesion to what we've seen in the past. And he's he's probably the perfect character to play this kind of I get out of sorts rich man who has no morals. That's what I'm, what I'm how I'm placing it. <laughs> but I don't like that character. I'll say that he is. Everything I don't want to see, but I guess if you think of him as being a villain, that was kind of the point. I think that he is supposed to be a caricature of uh, Donald Trump. And so in that way, I was gratified to see him. If that makes any sense. <laughs> I, is, I, I just, I just think it's a, it's a, it's an effective caricature. And I, and so I liked that, but yeah, I'm with Clarence. To, to make this story happen, you need a character like that, and we already have one. So, yeah, let's use him. Yeah. While I agree that that is what he is supposed to be, and I remember when we reviewed the first story that he was in, Arachnids in the UK, from Series 11, they were so on the nose with it, they even, you know, straight up compared him to Trump. That being said, it's 2021. I don't want to be reminded <laughs> again. You know, hey, even even later in the episode, we see him trying to make a deal. Yeah. Like somebody else does. <laughs> yes. That that cracked me up. And it's worth pointing out at this point that this episode was filmed two years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. Which which may explain a lot in terms of the show responding to critics, maybe. Mm, OK. Um, no, wait a minute. I read that today, and I'm just now saying it and thinking, well, now that can't be. They said that it was filmed in January 2019. Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, surely they mean January 2020. Because I know the show has been shut down because of the pandemic. But yeah. it wasn't shut down two years ago. So, yeah, what I had read must be wrong. That's amazing, though. I read something on the internet. That means it must be 
<laughs> so it must be true. <laughs> no, no, anyway, no doubt. But in any case, uh, we, we do know that it was made a long time ago. So it, it can't possibly be responding to events as recent as this Sunday. <laughs> but uh, um, it's still, it seemed oh, to oddly prescient. Let me ask you guys a question. They introduced these new Daleks, as we uh, I will call them. They did that, and this is the first time we see Jack Robinson. They do that in this staging demonstration. What did you guys think of the staging demonstration? Lee, I'll start with you on that one. Oh, I thought that was completely fascinating. Uh, and it's one of the things that had me... Uh, running to the internet to see when they shot this. So then immediately I got wrong information. We can't, um, you'd have to have been living in a cave to not be aware that this has been a year of uh, violent revolutions around the world being put down by the government or, or forces of the government or police or or whatever. And we have seen water cannons and we've seen tear gas uh, a lot. So when we see it's one of the few things in this in this episode, really, that I really, really liked when they're demonstrating to the uh, what is she? She's going to be the Ministry of Technology, a minister of technology. Yeah, I think so. With she, her two point seventy pounds or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. With her, her tiny her tiny budget. Um, they're supposed to be doing this harmless demonstration, but they're showing her that the the uh, the security drones are going to be armed with water cannons and and, you know, CS sprayers. Mm hmm. Uh, and so for a lot of us, our instinct is, well, that's not good. Uh, and of course, you know, and then if you're thinking that it's actually a Dalek they're playing with, think, you know, they're, they're not that far away from it just being a straight up Dalek. And, uh, and incidentally that sonic deterrent, as they demonstrated, that's a, that's a real thing too. Um, you don't see it deployed often because it's, as my understanding is, it's as hard on the, the people you know, using it as a weapon as it is on the people they're using it on. So, you know, obviously that's a challenge, but, uh, but that's, that's a, that's a real thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't even put the riot thing together in my head when I was watching that. So that makes me think of it totally different now, but I guess of what they were doing, they were, you know, showing a, a, a unruly crowd. And I guess, when they sh probably wrote slash shot this, I guess the um, Hong Kong riots were probably the bigger of the, the, the two big, you know, unrest events in the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. Wow. That's going to make me probably like the episode a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see. And I'm going to maybe, I hope not, you know, make you like it less, but I took it in a completely 100% different direction. So if we are comparing Robertson to Trump and I'm seeing him standing there looking at these machines down below and I'm thinking, oh, Robertson's fixing to do a photo op. <laughs> he wasn't oh, carrying a Bible cow. Yeah, I, I don't think that's different at all. I think it's exactly the same thing. Uh, um, Leo is very quick to say, yeah, but those aren't real CS spray that we're using and robertson says i didn't see why we shouldn't use real cs yeah oh the dude is so bad he's the worst yeah but good thing he's a fictional character and there's nobody really like that i know i mean you know what would it be like if somebody were yeah that would that would be scary what did we think of this person who was with him that ascends very very quickly even quicker than harriet jones 
ascended to prime ministership. What did we think of her? Or did we even think of her? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, she, she's more of a force of nature than a than a character, I guess. But it's she serves the, the purposes of the story. I think we get the feeling that her job is there to be the one who makes who makes it all happen, and and perhaps means well. You know, perhaps she really. I think one of the things that the script does, maybe as satire or social comment, is that it it points out how uh, terribly fraught, how dangerous the word secure is. Good because she. She says a lot, you know, this is we're going to make Britain more secure. Well, boy, a lot of a lot of people have used that word in the past to mean we're going to start rounding up people who aren't us. Yeah. You know, uh, it's yeah. You secure yet? I mean, Nazi Germany was secure. So yeah. I, I felt that that's sort of what she was there for. And, and we can't we can't expect much more of her. So is it gratifying when we see her get ter- exterminated? Kind of. Yeah. I think Joe and Jack are both the worst type of people in <laughs> her in the sense of when we get this whole how this whole thing gets started from, you know, the conclusion of resolution from last year. We have this tech or this one Dalek and she's the one that makes the call to Jack to be like, oh, we have this technology and they like go and do a heist to get it. So. I mean, when she did that right there, or when we learned that she did that, I was like through with her. And then she's continuing to try to cut a deal even later to get a deal on these police Daleks or drones or whatever. So, yeah, I, I never had I, I never thought she had any ounce of goodness in her body. <laughs> just just as crooked as Jack, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. I 100 percent agree. Let's switch Jack's for a moment. We see Jack Harkness return and saves the doctor. So did anyone notice anything about how Jack got her attention? Mm, I don't think I do. I didn't until I read it. Uh, I read about it. Well, I, I have to admit that there's a there's there was a joke that I missed the first time. And then when I watched it the second time, I got it just before she Jack calls her his attention or attention to him. She's talking to one of the silence and she says oh yeah i forgot you were in here yeah i, I that was cool i i didn't i didn't get the joke <laughs> yeah, that, was first, so, but, yeah. that was good <laughs> anyway but then yeah yeah but did you forget this face ah. but right before that when she was in her cell before she got to where she saw jack when she went over to the wall and listened yeah, in she's tapping on the wall like in the and he tapped poster. four times yep. oh okay <laughs> I didn't get that. I just heard four knocks and it didn't get it. But yeah. that was supposedly him trying to let her know that was somebody she knew. Yeah. Mm. Or Sorry, she yeah. was just thinking, is that me heartbeat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what did you guys think of the rescue? And Clarence, I'll start with you on that. I rather enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was a fun little piece of the episode. And unfortunately, probably... The most of the episode that we actually see Jack and a doctor kind of working together just because it's so many characters in a TARDIS in this in this episode. But as far as the escape goes, I thought all of that was fun and interesting. I love his little but hamster gadget, the wheel thing that he used <laughs> yeah. to, to, to to get her out. And the even the interaction between them two as they were making their escape. I thought all of that was 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 very fun. 
Yeah, I, I love the hamster ball. I, I wanted to, to back up just a, a little bit, too. That um, I Well, I, I like the, the sort of silence of the lambs thing where the doctor is going through and sort of, you know, talking to the other inmates. And, of course, we, we all love that we got to see a, another Pating. Yeah. Uh, who uh, Ryan later refers to as the mighty Pating. I love that. <laughs> but she pauses for a moment to taunt a pair of uh, a red-eyed ood. And that surprised me. I thought, that feels kind of kind of icky because uh, the Ood never asked for what happened to them. Um, and, and, and she knows that. Mm. You know what I mean? So, ew. But my, my bigger problem with all that was that when we get, we, we've been waiting for this episode and we know the doctor's in jail. Okay. And then we find out why and it's, you know, it, it's almost dismissed. So we have her in there for ages and really to what effect? I mean, for story purposes, what's what difference does it make to us or to her or to the larger story if she's in there for 10 minutes and then is rescued or if she's in there for 10 years and then is rescued? That it, it's yeah, we, we show her in this situation and it serves really no story purpose. And for, especially, I think, for us who are fans of the classic series where the doctor was always being put in traps and cages I, I find it really depressing to see the doctor who we have seen figure ways out of traps and cages endlessly, just stuck, yeah, hopelessly going, shuffling from day to day, and I guess no longer even trying. I, what would River Song do? Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, but, but what would the doctor do? You know, well, I'm going to actually just, blaseme and say, forget River. <laughs> what forget would River. The, forget River. What would the doctor do? That's right. I just, I was just thinking, boy, this is not, uh, for the first time ever about Jodie Whittaker, I'm going to say, this is not my doctor. <laughs> because, um, man, the fourth doctor would have been out of there with his teeth and hairpins. Yes. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I, so I don't get it. But anyway. Yeah, instead of this groundhog esque going through the motions that they kind of alluded to at the very beginning, they could have showed her, like, trying to get out, like, doing something. That's right. <laughs> instead of That's just right. being, um, okay with it even to the point where we're marking on a wall how many days we, or months or whatever we've been in yeah. here it's a lot yeah no you're right and see that's 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 why i'm that's why i'm quibbling with the script you can't say it's about budget you can't say it's about not having time to shoot things all we have to do is indicate that she has already tried 50 million ways to get out yeah. that's that's something that could be revealed in dialogue. We could see pieces of things that she's been working on and had taken away from her. You know, we, there are so many ways to do that. But this chooses instead to make her miserable and mm. defeated. And I don't I, I understand it. it's post the crisis with the master and the, the timeless child and, and all of that. But still. one little line of dialogue that says from Jack. To, to the doctor say, you, this is not you. You've got to break out. I don't know what happened to you, but you've got to break out of this depression or yeah. whatever, however you want to word it. You see what I'm saying? Just, yep. just, yep. that's all what it took. She, she does allude to, to Ryan a little, a little later, not knowing who she is. Uh -huh. And it seems like they could have somehow played that into why she's just resigned to being here in, in this prison. So let me comment on both aspects of what you guys said in regards to she's lost herself and whatever and she's resigned to being there i don't have a problem with that per se if they would have as lee was saying acknowledged it then mm -hmm. you know i could have accepted it the being in prison we know that the 
Jadoon were looking, and they had a contract to fulfill. They were to find the doctor. And that goes back to Fugitive of the Jadoon. And if they can't fit, fulfill it one way, they're going to fulfill it another way. Okay, I get that. But she should have been out of there in five minutes, you know. Jack even says he spent 19 years there trying to get to a cell next to hers. Yeah. You know, yep. and I think it's where, and even if they explain later that there's ramifications, and I hope there are, because if there's no ramifications in next series about her breaking out, then what was it for? Except to serve as a story point to say, oh, well, it's time for us to leave the TARDIS, which is another story point that I have problems with where the story was like really bear with me for a second we know when we see ryan and yaz and graham at the beginning of the episode we see them we know that it's been a while since the doctor and them have parted way and i think they even say how long it was that being said the doctor returns after she put 10 you know like you know she was trying to go back exactly where she left them She goes back 10 months later. I have a problem with that. I mean, yes, it doesn't always go, you know, exactly where it's supposed to go. I get that. But why couldn't it have just gone back two minutes or so after she left? Uh, I had to go this too. I I, I found the the doctor missing time like that a lot more convincing way back when it got Mickey Smith, but, you know, (laughs) jail. And... You know, that that seemed to have more consequence. And it's, you know, it's exactly the same situation. You know, the doctor just just missed the mark by, from the doctor's scale, a tiny, tiny bit. And, um, yeah, so I, yeah, so when we come to that moment of meeting back up again with the fam, I I felt like their reaction was disproportionate. And, I, you know, I, I understand, too. I, I, I feel that I would be hurt by something like that, but... It, I feel like if I had traveled with the doctor and I had seen how loosely we can play with time and space, I think I would have said, well, well, I, we were really been waiting for you for a long time, but you know, <laughs> you're in the TARDIS. We know how that, yeah. you know how that goes. So, so Clarence, I know you're a big fan of Yaz. What did you think of Yaz basically a shoving the doctor? I hated it. I hated it. I can see her reasoning. I would have rather her, rather her run up and big bear hug the doctor you know i I know what they're trying what they're going for they're trying to make this 10 months feel like that it's taking a toll on them you know even so far as to giving us reasons why other characters may be leaving but honestly i guess people react in different ways i'll just say that people do react in different ways but from my point of view i would have rather her go up and just hug the doctor and then we could have still did the same thing. We could have had the whole Jack, you know, telling Yaz, this is how it works. This is the doctor, you know. He, the doctor may never come never come back. It's a privilege to be with the doctor, you know. We could have still did all that, but I just didn't like the show. It, no. So am I being a little bit selective in my disliking it? Because I hated that. I really did not like that. But I was okay when River slapped the doctor so many times. Mm. So am I being selective there? You know, I, I was 
groping for an example in my mind and and yeah that's the one i was going for you're right you solidified that for me no because the, the relationship that the river and the doctor have is very different yeah and he is uh, yeah she just has a lot more invested in him than yaz does in the doctor and vice versa and and they they've been at it longer <laughs> maybe an unfortunate choice of words but yeah they they yeah and that's that's sort of who River is too. I, I I couldn't see Yaz pulling out a gun and shooting the doctor's hat off either. Yeah, true. Yeah, and the reaction is played as playful with the doctor with uh, Matt Smith as well. Is 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 never? I don't never feel he's mad by, about it. You know, that's true. Yeah, but I felt <laughs> bad for Jodie Whittaker when Yaz pushed her. I was like, oh, ouch. Yeah, and see, I think. That is where, and I feel like we're butchering this episode, but I'm just, I guess, being real here. That is where I think this concept of the fam just, I hope, has played out. And let's go back to being doctor and companion, because the whole idea of this is my fam, it it sounded like the more I heard it, the more it felt like, We've got 57 years of calling them the doctor's companions, sometimes assistant, but you knew they were the companion. Even so, so much that, um, in Fugitive of the Jadoon, the bad time lady says, you know, oh, faithful companion. I mean, it's, it's in the lore that they just hit us over the head with fam, 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 fam. <laughs> Enough with the fam. So. The fam is, is over. <laughs> Something positive that, that Clarence, you mentioned a few minutes ago, this conversation between Yaz and the doctor. What I loved about that was when Jack was talking about his version of the doctor, he said, he did this, he did that, you know, I just saw, saw him. And then when Yaz was talking, he, they said, she, I thought that that, that part right there, I really liked and was well done. Thoughts? Um, we're talking about when the, the conversation that Jack and Yaz have when they're in Osaka. Yes. Yes. No, I, 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 I thought that the substance of it was very good, but I was hung up on the fact that they are supposed to be infiltrating the Dalek factory and the fate of the world is in the balance. I understand <laughs> that they need to have this heartfelt and important conversation, but why are they standing there talking? <laughs> Did they forget what they came there to do? So well, let's talk about this afterwards. But it, but it, I, I thought it brought the forward motion of the episode absolutely slamming to a halt. I just thought Jack wouldn't. Hey, Torchwood, Jack wouldn't do this. Mm. I don't like, oh, Jack, what's happened to you in the intervening time? Get in there and deal with the Daleks first. And then he yeah. also didn't hit on her either, which I, I found kind of disappointing. But he did hit on Graham. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe in this day and age, that joke about Jax has, has taken on an, an unpleasant flavor that we're trying to avoid. But yeah, I'm glad it was still at least, uh, you know, Graham, to, Graham remembers that kiss. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> still there. <laughs> for, for me, I think I, I really enjoyed the, although maybe the timing of it was bad, I really enjoyed the speech between or the, the chat between Jack and Yaz. And for me, I think it's probably Jack's best moment of the episode. Um, you know, he, he the, the the escape was was fun too, but for me, as far as his character in this in this episode, it felt like he was just a bunch of one liners. Going to give Jack all the one liners in this episode. You know, he's going to be quippy. Yep. 
So for that reason, I enjoyed the the conversation you had with Yaz very much. You know, it's a reality that, I mean, Yaz should know some of this by now, I would guess. But, you know, for as much as I guess the doctor doesn't know who the doctor is, I don't feel these companions know who the doctor is and us by extension. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say that because I thought when you said that to me before that it was very much spot on. I didn't realize how much spot on it was until I watched parts of it again for the second time. And you're right. Other than this conversation, for the most part, it's, oh, how many times is Jack going to say, I missed the sound of that, or I like the sound, of, or remember this, or, yeah. No, I, I, we, we, I've got a big note about it coming up, because, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> Jack. Well, go ahead, and if, you, if you've got a note, let's go ahead and take your note. Go for it. Uh, well, I've got a a whole screed about it, I guess. But why? Seriously, why bring back Jack, Ray, and then do so little with him? I he gets her out of prison, and then he's just there. We get to see the squareness gun, okay? And and he's there. And first rule of screenwriting: eh? show, don't tell. Yeah. We there, there's there's something that I come to see Jack Harkness for. And it's not in this episode. Why, with every with people being killed right and left, why didn't Jack take a bullet for somebody or something? I wanted to see him die <laughs> because I love to watch him spring back. Yeah. But instead, this script has him say, and I wanted to hit something, I'm Captain Jack, and I'm immortal. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> Don't tell us that. Show it. <sighs> but But, yeah, otherwise... Why is he in this story? It's a it's a dead waste of John Barrowman. As well. I agree, sir. And, you know, I have been wanting that scene where a former companion and the doctor make, uh, you know, come face to face. Because, you know, I was wanting that in Fugitive. I got that, but it was flat to me. It felt so, I didn't, I wanted to get choked up when the doctor sees Jack. And I watched it and, okay. Whoop. Yeah, there it was. There it was. Bye-bye. Okay. Oh, now we're doing something else. Okay. That's right. The, the script squanders that by making it happen when they're in a hurry. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed, so, agreed, agreed. I mean, think about how it works in school reunion is that there's the mystery to be explored, but we don't quite yet have enough facts to take any action on it. And so there's this moment where the 10th doctor is just kind of poking around the school and he, he sees Sarah and it's, and that's beautiful. The the building isn't on fire. We don't, you know, they can stop and have that conversation. And we, even as the audience get to see them meet each other and she not know that that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Further building it up. I thought you died. She says, yes. Wow. they could have did the same thing with the prison break too. She could exactly. like seeing glimpses of Jack, you know, like, right. Don't, don't I know the guy. <laughs> yep. they, uh, you should roll this episode. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my specialty has come to be script doctor. So I can always point out what's wrong with things. That is unfortunately not the same thing as coming up with good things, <laughs> but you know, still, um, let me ask you guys, I want to talk about Ryan and Graham leaving. But I want to see, do we want to hit on really quick Golden Daleks versus Weird Looking Daleks? <laughs> um, once again, the, the racial purity thing comes up, and uh, I, I do think that's interesting. And um, 
if um, the note that I made was this, here's one thing in this episode that I really like. But from the beginning, you know, Terry Nation really wanted the Daleks to stand in for the Nazis, but but more more poetically, more thematically, to stand in for unreasoning hate of anybody who isn't you, who isn't like you, you know. So if the Dalek just means hate, and the doctor says in this script, Dalek to 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 you know countless millions, Dalek means hate. So I was imagining, why do you watch this whole story uh, and take out the the word Dalek throughout? And, and replace it with the word hate. So Robertson chooses to side with hate. The doctor pits one kind of hate against another kind of hate and knows that isn't going to be a final solution, which, is, which means she, she knows Martin Luther King. The prime minister gets killed by hate. Mm. Um, and we see in Leo's work that a little bit of hate can be fostered to grow into a massive network of hate. And I, so sort of on the metaphorical level, I, I think... This is a particularly good Dalek story for that for that kind of thing. So that that was my thing that I liked about it, which may not even be intentional, <laughs> but I think it yeah. is. I really think well, it is. I would hate if it weren't. Mm. Well <laughs> said, uh, Clarence. What about you? Did you have any thoughts on Daleks versus Daleks? I won't really speak to the versus part of it, but I real will say I love the story justification for having these defense drones, having it tie into our last New Year's special. And I really like the concept of maybe having a bit of continuity continuity between New Year's specials. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but I love the reasoning. And I was, is Leo his name? I guess the scientist guy. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I really, you know, wow. I, he came across as the pure nerdy science guy that got caught up in some ish. <laughs> yeah. He got caught up in some stuff and, and went one step too far. But again, you have to know who you're working for, even if you are a good guy, people. So, yeah. And I thought his acting as the, you know, half himself, half Dalek, the switch on and off of that was really awesome. And again, I just like the story just justification for having these defense drones, even though it all went wrong, you know. So here's where I need a little bit of help with. Let's go back specifically to a story that Jack was in that he even references in this uh, particular episode when he, Rose, and the Ninth Doctor are facing off against the Daleks at the end of Series 1 in 2005. The Daleks then, weren't they made up of humans? Hmm. Weren't the Daleks converting humans into because uh, people were coming to Satellite 5 or whatever it was called. Yeah, right. And they were being converted to Daleks. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So that just felt like a big plot hole to me, is well, the, the impurity of these Daleks versus th that big, huge set of Daleks were all made of human. Yeah. Well, and this has been brought up before, that the, the Dalek notion of genetic superiority, or genetic purity, I should say, is hopelessly, hopelessly flawed. And that we've seen again and again that they've messed with their own DNA and they've uh, blended with others and so on. And they're still claiming to be um, some kind of genetically pure uh, super race. And I think there's a degree to which that may be parody as well, because the humans we know who claim to be somehow genetically pure <laughs> that if you know anything about human biology at all, that's nonsense. There's just no such thing. Yeah. And 
so I, I think sometimes that's a little a little social satire there too. The Daleks will keep furiously insisting that they're pure and that those guys over there are impure. We must destroy them. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, keep talking. <laughs> All righty. So let's get on to our final talking point. Graham and Ryan decide to leave. Thoughts. And Clarence, why don't you go first? What did you thought of that? So what did you think about this exit between Ryan and Graham? So, of course, we get these 10 months where Fam is on their own. And Ryan in particular doesn't feel like he's worried about it too much. You know, the doctor being away as if he could even go on if she didn't even come back. And to that point, I get it. He has come back and reconnected with all the things he loved about his world and his time. And as far as the story goes, he has chose to defend his time and space. And that's where he wants to be. So I don't, you know, he made the right choice for him. And I just put it like that. Now you have to think too, why, well, I don't want to put this, why would he leave so easily? You know, I think I think I just gave a good reason for that. And I think it feels I don't know what I'm trying to put it. I feel like he has a lack of connection um, in some ways. Again, that could be the 10 months. It could be over the course of all this time. We never and I'm trying to I'm trying to differentiate between Ryan and, and my feeling of the relationship between the doctor and him, because my feeling is that the relationship isn't all that strong. But if you think, look at the characters, it probably should be a little bit more because they have been together for the last two seasons. So the way he wasn't worried about it, I wasn't worried about it either because there was no emotional connection at all for me between this group. I mean, I feel like they worked well together, but I don't feel like just like there was no sadness or love lost between them two. It, it wasn't any for me. And I think we've talked about this a bit, Cal. That goes back to how the writing between um these the fam and the doctor how it's been unable to to really make an emotional connection um between those characters and even between us and those characters so you know as much as i love uh <laughs> ryan being on the show i'm not really sad about him going just like the doctor you know he, he's you he go home we'll see you later yeah exactly <laughs> all right lee I'm curious, what do you think? And then I have a question for you. Oh, a lot of the same things. I just, everything about this ending just feels false to me. And I, I just, yeah, it, I, I didn't feel uh, emotionally involved in it, as Clarence says. It, and I, I even felt emotionally distanced. Like somehow I, I really should go outside the TARDIS and wait for this to all be over. Um, Jack leaves and is off screen when it happens. He, she's apparently talking to him on the phone. And I don't know if that was a, a, a pandemic filming problem that we couldn't shoot a, a, a scene, you know, a face to face scene with the doctor and Jack. But anyway, he's just gone out of the story. And it, it would be easy to miss how weird that is, if, if except that he's been so squandered in the episode already. Yeah. So uh, he leaves and we barely notice. And that's that's not right. And earlier, the the doctor has disclosed very open heartedly to Ryan that she doesn't know who she is anymore. That's an existential crisis, but you know, by definition, that's important. That's difficult. And then later in this episode, she's really brushes it aside by saying, I'm the one who takes down the Daleks. Well, that's, 
To me, that's an empty-headed thing to say. She, I want to give her credit for being more self-aware than that. That's not what who you are. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's not the same thing. But she apparently is okay with that now, or at least we're going to play it that way, so she can say goodbye to Ryan so he can go off and, and do his thing. And then Ryan gets touchy about how everybody else is going to play this goodbye scene. You know, he says, well, you got over me in a hurry or, or, or wants to give Yaz, you know, grief about the fact that she says, well, I guess I, I guess I have to stay now. He said, yeah, you already said it. Um, it's a joke. Like he's done with her, but I, I just, it, it to, to me, flat. it's just like, Hey, if it falls flat. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, uh, not funny, dude. I don't, I don't, I don't understand kind of what's happening here. Um, what are Graham we decides. Right. Yeah. I, I, well, I think we're supposed to feel that something, um, the, the bittersweetness of something good coming to an end, but it, it just all feels so sort of painful that I don't, I just wanted it to be over. All right. So here's my question for you. And the reason I'm asking you this question is because it's something that is from classic who mm-hmm. was there a lot of fanfare when a companion left back in the old days or, or was it you just tuned in and oh look somebody knew right no absolutely not and and i i i was thinking about this of course because i i'm not sure it's fair to compare them completely because a lot of those um we know that a lot of those things happen at the last minute mm-hmm. you know that as we're preparing the episode oh well she's not going to be in the next season so let's write a scene very quickly you know right I mean, I mean, Andrew Cartmel had to, you know, out there on location, write the last words of the whole original series. You right, know? exactly. <laughs> With, which is, you know, the Doctor and Ace kind of going off into the, the horizon. But um, but I, I feel like I, the parting with Sarah Jane does it right, is that neither of them want to say goodbye, but he's got no choice. And so they talk about everything else. And then she, she says, she says something, you know, a good parting line. And then she goes, she says, you know, travel is broadening for the mind. Yeah. Don't forget me. Oh, don't you forget me. Yeah. Well, then she says, you know, traveling really is traveling with you really does broaden the mind. Yeah. And so he gives her the last word and this script gives Graham the last word too. You know, you were right. There are aliens in Sheffield. And if we had just sort of cut to that, that would have been okay. And another thing in that thing that I really liked was when Ryan said, boy, you seem to have gotten over me really fast. And I think this is lovely. She says, two hearts, one happy, one sad. Yeah, that was good. And I think we could have cut, if I, if I was the editor sitting down with this script, I would have cut everything else except those two things. That's all we need. And maybe some dramatic music. I don't even remember what music was playing when this was yeah, happening. Hence, Murray Gold. Well, that's it. Murray Gold would I. <laughs> but, but, you know, yeah. I will say that the music has grown on me some. I, I will say that. But you guys are hitting a very good point that I keep forgetting is part of the storytelling comes from the music. It's true. And yeah. while I find the music very unearthly and very beautiful in some aspects. I do not feel the way I felt with Murray Gold's music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seekin doesn't, doesn't um, hit emotional beats the way Murray Gold does. And maybe we've just been sort of trained to expect that, but, but it is, it's conventional, you know, it's, it's the kind of um, scoring of, of emotional beats that we, we're accustomed to John Williams or anybody else, you know, and, and, uh, and we want those. 
I want to do yeah. they, they work for a reason. Yeah. So here's my take. I went into this curious if I would get emotional. Mm-hmm. I didn't. It did not affect me in the least. It was kind of like what Clarence said. Oh, they're gone. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. You're gone. Nice knowing you. Talk to you later. Bye. That was it. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, okay. And Clarence, I mentioned this to you as well. You count up how many episodes they had over the two seasons. They've been in 22 episodes, the two of them. And so we've known about them, you know, since 2018, been watching them for, you know, that amount of time. Back in 2016, 27, 2016, I believe, we met Bill Potts. We had Bill Potts for 12 episodes and a special, so 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. I remember reviewing The Dr. Fall, and we're talking about Bill's exit. And I remember doing this podcast with the two of you and getting choked up talking about Bill walking on the back. And I'm here. I'm doing it again. That is the example that I say is what's missing. Well, you know, I've uh, I I divulge a secret to relativity fans Uh, in the last um, uh, episode of uh, relativity. um, Something really sad happens. And that as the actor playing the role that I had written, I knew that I needed to cry. And before I went into my little studio to record that scene, I watched the uh, the last um, confrontation between the doctor and uh, Donna Noble, where he has to erase her memory. Mm, good. Um, because to me, that's the that's the companion parting of all time. She doesn't know she was with him. She can't know that she was. Oh my God! Everything that they did together, it's just gone. I. <laughs> So, Clarence, I think you were about to say something. Yes. Uh, well, maybe that's just it. It's that other than I'm thinking of Martha in New Who, this is not a tragic parting. Um, it's just they're just gone. You know, it's not there's there's no emotional tie to it. Whereas somebody is about to die or their life is drastically changing. They're just gone back to their normal life. So maybe that's the part that we've grown so accustomed to in new who that is making this not resonate as much. Now I will say I was kind of sad for, um, while Graham, because Graham really didn't want to (laughs) go. I don't feel it's like, well, you know, you, you're leaving Ryan. I guess I have to go now. So I was, was a little sad for him, but no, these are just, they're going back to their normal lives. Nobody's dying. Nobody's, Mm -hmm. um, ascending to some other status. They're just back, (laughs) you know? It's a good point, too. I don't think it's necessary for us to have these companions meet with tragedy on the way out. I don't. So I'm not saying that, but 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 you're right. Maybe part of the problem is how to get everybody out the door when what we want is for them to go away to something good. And you know what? I don't mind somebody going away to something good. By all means, have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. You know, that's wonderful. Have a happy ending. Have it, and you know, and then let the doctor be sad that they're gone. Perfect, love it. They have, you know, they live happily ever after. We kind of get that when Barbara and Ian leave. You know, mm-hmm. they have the happy ever after, and the doctor's sad. What yeah. wonderful! The the catch or the key to that is, I want to, I need to care that they're gone. Yeah, you know, me well, being right. the audience, I need to care that they're gone. Right, right. So what what went wrong here? What uh, okay, so 
One last thing before we uh, start to wrap up. What did you guys think of the bike scene? Well, <laughs> I said I have a screed here. <laughs> I'll just give it to you, okay? Uh-oh. My big my big question about this whole episode is why? Why? Why put emphasis on the truck driver's mother? How's your mom? Well, you know, he looks fondly at the picture of his mother. And then they kill him and he's out of the story forever. So why did we bring that up at all? Why? Yeah. Why why take the doctor out of the main story for so much of the time to no emotional effect on her, on the story, or anybody? Why bring Jack back, hooray, and do so little with him? Why spend so much time in this episode wrapping up the companion stories there to so little effect when that two hearts line, to me, sums it all up so eloquently? Why do Grace and Ryan see an apparition of Grace at the end? What 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 are we supposed to understand from that? What does it mean? And why, why, for God's sake, why end the whole journey of Ryan with a drone shot of him falling off his bike? What? Yeah. Why? You get no wins. None. No. You're still falling off that bike after this long journey. <laughs> and and I, I get everything about his speech. He's exactly right. He is, he is now somebody different and he's nobody to be messed with. You know, that they're going to go to, to Korea and to Finland and they're going to, you know, we feel that they're going to, they're going to do something, you know, and, and that's great. But the, but by ending, by showing him fall off his bike, what it does is ask me again, does he have dyspraxia or not once and for all? Because what we've seen over the run of his time on the show is that sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. And I just think that was a mistake from the beginning. And so this just rubs it in. It's one last little twist of the knife. <laughs> and uh, can why? I add one thing to that list? Sure. There's more. Yeah. You had a pating and he didn't eat anything. Except, well, he, he, he was trying at least. But still, you, yeah, you said earlier, don't tell me, show me. That's right. What is the point of having him in there if you can't see what he's eating? Exactly. It's, it's almost as bad as having Captain Jack if he doesn't get to die and come back. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> Clarence, what say you? I feel like, I mean, of course, they were just trying to book in their journeys. But that being said, um, I didn't I, I didn't get the growth. I mean, of course, they talked about the growth, their journeys and stuff. But I don't I didn't. To me, it was almost an insult to see him fall. And then the they showed grace. But what was that? Was that was that just a Easter egg for us to say grace sent us along on his journey? And. To me, if they wanted to show something that made the char- characters resonate to us a little bit more, they could have did a short, short little cut when Ryan was making his speech that he was about to leave. You know, show us the flashback of the good times. You know, something. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, you know what they should have had. You know what? Give, when, give us this footage, and 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 and, and Clarence and I are going to recut this ending, hmm. and we'll show you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what would have been better than the, than that is you would have spent the time they spent. They could have still been standing up on the hill. And I know somebody's mind was saying the first time you saw him, he threw the bike off and he was giving up and now he's not. And that's supposed to show change. I get that. But but I would have appreciated the two of them standing on the hill, maybe talking about how far they've come. I know we've just talked about, you know, you know, show, not tell, but I would have appreciated them 
having a moment, whatever that moment is. And then you would have known at the beginning, Ryan had such resentment for him. And then you actually see them maybe hug or something and walk, start walking off. That would have been nice. And that might have even have been a little bit emotional if you would have done that. And, and, and to Lee's point with the dyspraxia, show it throughout the course of the two seasons. Show exactly. him getting better at it or show him just I, still having it. You know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Instead of it turning up when it is convenient to make it a, a complication, it's no. I think they should have showed because remember the very first episode, he does like a YouTube video and they're like panning away with him. I think he's talking about the doctor on that. They could have bookended with something like that, you know. Mm. Without it being, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I did sort of want a post-credits scene, kind of a Marvel Universe <laughs> kind of <laughs> scene that just very quickly showed the two of them uh, uh, flashing their psychic paper at uh, a security point <laughs> in Korea and just walking past these, you know. That, that would have been cool. <laughs> That's a spinoff series. That's it. Well, yeah. <laughs> do we even have, I want to say it, but do we even have a favorite scene? I do. Okay. Well, what was your favorite scene? I did love the doctor taunting the Daleks into the TARDIS and watching them go in in one unending stream through the door. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of fun. All right. Clarence, favorite scene? Oh, man. I think my favorite scene was Leo. And let me see if I can find the actor's name real quick. Well, when he's talking to his wife and kids. Oh. And I, I just think the actor, I think it's Nathan Stewart Jarrett. He just does a wonderful job of in tone and look just twisting from this nice guy talking to his family to, you know, I'm a Dalek voice now. <laughs> I'm all sinister. I just really love the acting choice there and how it kind of just flips. Uh, but that was actually my runner up scene. Yeah, I, I'm with yeah. you. I just thought he was <laughs> he was just fantastic. Yeah, he was great. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're talking we're talking about how unaffected we were emotionally by this this uh, episode. But, you know, one of the times where I really felt something is when the Dalek released him. I mean, you know, it's coming. And his last words are, I'm sorry. Oh, man. That's that got me. Yeah. And that, that guy's me. He's the, the nerdy guy who couldn't stop tinkering. And he... Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we feel for him. We know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my favorite scene was the one I mentioned about, and even though it did take us out of the moment between Yaz and Jack, because I, I know we went so far in series 11, never even addressing that for the most part that the, the man woman thing changed of the doctor. I just thought that that was a cool way each addressed as they knew their version of the doctor. So that was my favorite scene. So favorite quote. Clarence, what was your favorite quote, or did you have one? Yeah, my favorite favorite quote is going to be from the same scene, and it's the line that Jack says to end off that conversation when he says, how many people in the universe get to meet the doctor, let alone travel with her? We're the lucky ones, Yaz. Enjoy the journey while you're on it, because the joy is worth the pain. No, that's good. That was that. All right, Lee, what say ye? Well, one of the things that the script attempts to do is to to keep Jack being the uh, the, the the smart aleck guy with the patter. And uh, so one of the few times I thought that that really worked is when they're inside the bubble escaping. And uh, of course, Jack has has not seen the doctor as a woman yet. So they're face to face. And she says, have you had work done? And he says, you can talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Joe yeah, Merriman. You might say that. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually took my favorite quote, but it was uh, a good one. And I'm glad you took one. it. <laughs> 
So, Clarence Brown, favorite quote? I just gave mine. Me too. Oh, I'm sorry. You can take his too. My brain is fried, so woohoo. So are we on to favorite uh, favorite top five or whatever? Yeah, final rating. Final this rating. This is Casey Kasem. Okay. <laughs> What's your final rating? I will do um, 3.75 drone Daleks out of five. All right. 3.75. Be shocked. I'm going to go way lower. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm giving this two sad patings behind bars. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I don't remember what I'm going to give it because <laughs> I'm going to give it what I don't remember silent Yeah. out of five. So yeah. there you go. That's, 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 that's seriously my rating. I don't remember it. Silence out of five. That well, means zero? I mean, <laughs> I don't so remember. <laughs> I was well, going to uh, tell you, but I don't remember. If we're done with the episode, then we have to kind of talk about something after the episode. I am seeing on social media that people said that, and I don't know how they were seeing the episode, but that there was something on screen said, um, you know, in the, in the coming season, the doctor returns with, uh, yes. And Dan, John Bishop as Dan. Yes. And I didn't, I didn't see that. I watched it through Amazon prime. Then I looked at BBC America's version of it and skipped to the end. And, uh, I didn't have that either. So the announcement about John Bishop as part of this episode was not, uh, not something I saw, but so but I it saw is. it watching it BBC America on YouTube TV, and it said, yeah. "Stay tuned after the uh, after the commercials for us uh, uh, for the introduction of the new companion." Okay, so do we know who John, whatever his name is, John Bishop? He's a he's a comedian, uh, is how I know him, um, and um, and he's done some you know some legit television as a. Uh, as a dramatic actor, I take it, uh, none of which I've seen, but yeah. But so we, we were saying, you know, maybe we've got too many people on the TARDIS and we're going to pare down, but we lost two and we're going to pick up one. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I heard it, this may have been on Alan Siler's show as well. Uh, somebody mentioned that maybe Jack was originally supposed to be part of the, on the TARDIS, but because of, the pandemic and scheduling that might be why we have that one liner at the end to explain he's going to see Gwen Cooper and the kids. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, we'll see what comes. We have no idea. I'm just going to put it out here so that if this does happen, then we can say, Kyle, you did say that now back way back when. That's right. What if he's another doctor in disguise? I'm just saying, just putting it out there. It may not happen, but stranger things have happened. So there you go. So, gentlemen, I have one other question before my brain literally melts like a Dalek being exploded. Yeah. Where else might you be found on the Internet or what are you watching or reading or anything? Lee Shackelford, I'll start with you. Um, I am uh, hunkering down and just getting ready for my classes. So, uh not a lot to going on web-wise, but um, I will always continue to encourage anybody who hasn't listened to our audio drama serial, Relativity. You can find it all now that it is concluded uh, on the website at relativitypodcast.com and on whatever your favorite podcatcher. All righty, Clarence Brown, what say you? 
Oh, yeah, man. Uh, If you are into Star Trek Discovery and want to hear people ramble about the latest season, season three of Star Trek Discovery, be sure to check out DiscussingTrek.com for, you know, us to hear a chat about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for everyone listening, we appreciate your time. We were glad that you spent some of your time listening to us because guess what? You didn't have to. And as I said before, my brain is melting tonight. So you've ha- you've had me in prime form to listen to. Right. Yes. So with that being said, for everyone listening and for these two gentlemen, Happy New Year. Let's have a fantastic 2021. And with that, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.